Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're all very welcome back to the Selig Soul podcast. I'm Andrew Millen, and this is episode number 58. My guest on the show today will be David Lowe. We spoke to David back in January about the Selig Trust and his part in the takeover of Celtic with Fergus McCann back in the mid-1990s. He joins us again today to talk about the current state of play at Celtic and to bring us up to date with the recent meeting between the Celtic Trust and the Celtic PLC. As I said, back in January we spoke about the takeover and his years working alongside Fergus McCann and we also asked him why he has now got involved with the Celtic Trust and we also chatted about his life following Celtic and how important the role of Celtic fans is and the role they must play now in the future direction of Celtic Football Club. If you haven't listened to that episode and our first conversation with David, give it a listen. It's episode number 49. If you're a Celtic-minded business or a Celtic supporters club and you like what we are doing with the podcast and across all our independent Celtic fan media platforms and you would like to sponsor an episode or sponsor the fanzine, please email us at info at or contact us through the website or social media. Apologies again to our listeners in Cuba, Iran, Syria and North Korea where the last two episodes of the podcast have been banned. If you're a listener or a reader or a listener and a reader, you can support our independent Celtic media platform by visiting CelticFansin.com where you can become a member, a subscriber, you can buy some of our merchandise or a fanzine or you can donate for the price of a pint. Your support helps us to continue to produce quality independent fan journalism, the fanzine, the podcast, video content and fan events. Keep the comments and suggestions coming in for guests who you would like us to have a chat with on the Celtic Soul podcast. And here's a few comments we received since the last pod. Well, the second part of the Celtic Soul podcast with Peter Hooten and Andrew Millen certainly didn't disappoint. Absolutely brilliant. I feel like Andrew has introduced me to a new friend and someone I admire. We could all do it 10 or 15 minutes of Peter once a month. 
Absolutely class. And that comes out from Kieran Bell. Quality list and millage. Peter Houghton is certainly a passionate fan, musician and citizen. He didn't like the jump or tuck dinner session though. And that comes out from Frankie Boy on Twitter. Great podcast. Really enjoyed it. And I have the utmost respect for the farm's Peter Houghton for sharing his still raw feelings on Hillsborough. And that comes in again on Twitter from Ray Cooley. Peter Houghton was an absolutely brilliant guest. So enjoyable, Andrew. Could listen to him all day. Keep them coming. And thanks for the fanzine as well. Such a great read. That comes in from Carl Biggin Slater on Twitter. Carl, thanks very much for buying the fanzine. Just finished listening. So glad I waited till I had the two parts together. I honestly could have listened to you both for another few parts. Great listen. However, that's not surprising as they are all great, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew and Peter, for your time. All the best. Hail, hail. You never walk alone. And that comes in from Mark McGinley. Hi Andrew, hope all is well with you. Excellent two-part podcast with Peter Houghton. Very informative and what a character. Love the clash stories and the ballack chippy. Poignant memories of Hillsborough. I remember when Liverpool came up and I was in the jungle that day with my mates when the fans ran round the track with the Liverpool flag at halftime. Stay safe and keep up the fantastic walk, pal, and hope one day soon we'll all be back in paradise. Hail, hail, and that comes from Alan McDonald. Hilly says, all day listening, top interview. And Joe Heron finishes off with, just finished listening to the Peter Hooten interview. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, Joe. And last weekend's long read on CelticFansin.com from David Potter was on Dixie Deans and his career. And this was the pick of the comments about that article. Dixie was walking part-time in the Golden Pheasant Hotel in Linwood when he received the call from Jock Steen. It was my dad who answered the phone. Dixie originally thought my dad was taking the piss when he said Jock Steen was on the phone asking for him. And that came in from Peter Keeney. Peter, oh, great, great little story there. I can just imagine that uh, if it was now, there'd be agents, directors of football, advisors, chairmen, all involved. Football seemed a bit more real back then. Folks, keep the comments coming in. And again, keep all the suggestions coming in for guests. And thanks for listening and reading. Oh dear, the mainstream media in Scotland are doing somersaults over Celtic's refusal to mention the world's old firm. There is no old firm. Get over it. And then we had all this bollocks about guards of honour. The Scottish media need to get over themselves and their obsession with the new club and Stephen Gerrard. Celtic may be in a transition period, but we will be back and we will continue our successful unbroken history since 1888. We paid our tax. We never let our club die. I know the new club fans and the biased media have trouble with the difference between both clubs. But then again, they need to get over it too. Who better than Billy McNeil to grace the cover of the latest issue of More Than 90 Minutes as we celebrate our unbroken history. Two nine in a rows and a quadruple treble. While our nine-year-old neighbours struggle to understand basic maths. Billy McNeil won more in one month than the new club have won in nine years. History, maths and social distance studies need to be explained to the new co-fans. Time to kick back boys tomorrow and restore some pride in the jersey. Stop the new club and our unbeaten league run and put a marker down for the Scottish Cup. David Lowe is chair of the Celtic Trust. He's a Celtic fan and has been lucky enough to enjoy not one but two nine in a rows and see Celtic reach two European finals and indeed enjoy the recent quadruple treble. He was involved with Fergus McCann back in 1994 when the Rebels won and the old board was oisted. He was a consultant at Celtic during the McCann years, which saw Celtic Park redeveloped and Celtic stop Rangers doing 10 in a row. Hi, David. You're very welcome back onto the Celtic Soul podcast. Yeah, fantastic. 
Fantastic to be here, yeah. We spoke to you back in early January and in such a short time, so much has happened to Celtic. We have surrendered the title to Rangers without much of a defence. Neil Lennon has left his position as manager. Peter Lowell has announced that he will retire from his position and step down in the summer. And Celtic have appointed a new CEO who will come in in the summer, Dominic McCoy. So, yeah, I mean, since I last spoke to you, Andrew, all those things have happened. All our sort of hopes and dreams, you know, for the season have come crashing down around us. None of us saw it coming, be it supporters, board members, players, manager, coaches. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. It's been a truly disastrous season and disastrous in a, such an important season. So, uh, there's no sugar coating it. Uh, it's just been awful. <laughs> I can't say any more than that. Well, I think I think most of us are in agreement with you. Um, all our dreams were shattered. Come, I suppose, that day in Ibrox, and then were followed in Dubai, and it's been a long winter in lockdown. So, listen, yourself and Jeanette Finley, representing the Celtic Trust, had a meeting with Celtic CEO Peter Lowell, financial director. Chris McKay and supporters liaison of John Paul Taylor. Now, the reason I want you on the podcast is because we need getting insight for the listeners into, you know, that meeting, what was said and what was not said. Well, what the trust said at the meeting was basically dictated by what our members instructed us to uh, to say. So, yeah, we were instructed by, by our, our members to uh, relay to Celtic that, uh, you know, we're very unhappy with uh, the performance of the management team uh, and the directors, you know, everybody that's in the building, so to speak, charged with running the, the club, you know, must bear some responsibility. Uh, not a lot, not everybody understands the structure. And so I'll maybe spend uh, one minute explaining, you know, how the football club works. There's Celtic PLC, you know, which has got off the top of the head 25,000 shareholders. A shareholder is an owner. So there's 25,000 owners of Celtic PLC. Some of them are big owners, you know, like uh, Dermot Desmond and a few others. Some of them are uh, very small owners. Indeed, there's a, a huge number of uh, Celtic supporters with one one share only, probably in a picture, on a frame, on a wall. But uh, they are all uh, owners of Celtic and they all have uh, rights uh, and, and an opinion. And just about all of them, of course, will be supporters in the sort of conventional definition of the word. But Celtic PLC, the, the company that's listed on the stock exchange, has a wholly owned subsidiary called, you know, the Celtic Football and Athletic Company Limited. And ultimately, it's the directors of the PLC that are responsible for the running of the club. Uh, they get all the plaudit when things are going swimmingly well. And, uh, you know, they must also take uh, the criticism when things go very wrong. So why did I say that? I, I, I said it to put where we find ourselves in context. The buck stops at the top and criticism of the Celtic board when things don't go well is valid. And it's, it's done in every quoted company on the stock exchange. 
of which Celtic PLC is 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 a member of, and therefore criticism of the board uh, is legitimate. Why did I say that again? Because they don't like it, but you've, they've got to hear it, and uh, that's where the responsibility for this lies. They appointed the coach. They appointed the director of football. Uh, they they decided who's in the technical area. They authorised the transfers, and uh, that is an explanation uh, for people that are perhaps uh, not aware of where responsibility lies. However, directors don't play football for ninety minutes on a on a football pitch. Players do, and it's eleven against eleven, and uh, those two teams uh, are have managers. So. Uh, dictating tactics and uh, telling players when they should be substituted, etc. So they, they they must bear uh, responsibility as well, and that's where most fans directed criticism, and that 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 is legitimate as well. So it's a it's a team game, it's a club game. We're all in this together. A uh, criticism for criticism is due, praise for praise is due. This year uh, is going wrong, and you know soul searching is required. And we articulated the views of our members in that vein. We're unhappy about the constitution of the board, the staleness of the board, the duration that very many non-executive directors have been there for. And you know, we made that point very strongly. Uh, and Celtic uh, undertook, I would say, to uh, li- listen to what we're saying and consider what we're saying. Of course, there were a number of other issues as well. But the big one was our, or the trust I'm talking about, unveiling of our uh, proposal on how to compensate supporters who supported the club and didn't get very much in return other than a £90 match feed every two weeks. So uh, that was made, and I've lost my timeline, it must be best part four weeks ago, uh, that proposal was made. And for the benefit of your listeners on, on this podcast, the Celtic Trust has formally proposed in a professional setting that the board of Celtic consider offering season ticket holders, ordinary season ticket holders, the option of receiving shares in the club uh, as a means of value, which they undertook to look into when they spoke to representatives of the supporters and, and put out a press release on the 23rd of June saying they would do precisely that. So... Those season tickets were sold, when you read all the literature that came out of Celtic at the time, sold in the enthusiasm on the back of the pursuit of a 10 in a row. Uh, we all bought into it. We all supported it to a man, 50,000, and women, <laughs> 50,000 of us. And we didn't really see it. Well, we didn't see any games at Celtic Park. So fair is fair. The objective here is to create the conditions to sell another 50,000 season tickets for the new challenge when the league season starts for 21-22. And we think, the spe- and, see, and, and let's be clear, Stadia will not be full. If we used to sell 50,000 season tickets, there's not going to be available seats in Celtic Park for 50,000 people. So supporters that are shelling out in excess of £500 uh, per game, if the prices are the same, will not be able to sit in that seat they've bought. Uh, for every match that takes place. So what our proposal was seeking to do is to create you know, a positive dynamic for the support, working in conjunction with the club, to inc- which basically encourages fans, supporters to buy season tickets for next season. And of course, for Celtic to honour the, the, the pledge. Pledge is distinct from commitment because it wasn't a commitment. 
it was a, it was more of a pledge. There is a difference to those fans. It's also notable that we hospitality season ticket holders, and I thought I personally fall into both categories because uh, I've got hospitality as well as regular season tickets I've had for as long as we've been back at Celtic Park. Uh, hospitality season ticket holders have been offered uh, the option of it's the option as distinct from a straightforward. Uh, no other alternatives, the option of a cash refund. So we, we think it's uh, important that we retain as much cash in the club as possible uh, and that people who are entitled to a cash refund receive benefits uh, that doesn't cost the club cash, uh, it costs the club shares. So that's a good thing because it keeps cash in the club it encourages and promotes season ticket sales for the new challenge and the new managers going to need as much money as possible because it looks like a big team re- rebuilding is required. And of course, what it would do is bring a whole new generation of younger Celtic fans into the club as shareholders. The share ratio is over 25 years ago. And most shareholders are of a certain vintage uh, now. And there's a whole lot of young folk you know, that don't have a share of the club and don't really know how how to easily go about acquiring a share or an ownership position in their club. So it's just a whole bunch of ticks. I don't see any real reason why that proposal that we made at that meeting you referred to uh, should should not be seriously considered uh, as a a good idea. It should not be a, also. I don't see any reason why it should be considered as a as a very positive uh, option that's been presented to the club. Since we made the proposal, we have had an acknowledgement from the company secretary saying that the proposal was with the chairman and uh, is being considered. So we don't know what will happen. We shall all, all wait and see. I think um, the suggestion is, is a really good one because, as you said, it keeps, it keeps the cash in the club and a new manager whoever that may be, will need cash. But it's also, as you say, giving younger younger supporters you know, a, a chance to own a, a piece of Celtic. I think now, and I think it's a play to blind on this because uh, the, the way it's gone out and the way it has been received, because it has been the big talking point from that meeting uh, by both yeah. members of the Trust and non-members of the Trust. And, you know, as usual on social media, which is can be a swamp at times, we had negative... I honestly believe that some of these people, no matter what what you come up with, that they just will not be happy. You know, no matter what manager it is or what the selling trust does or whatever. Yeah. But do you believe that, like, because now it's now with the chairman, it would be a huge own goal if they didn't accept the proposal or come back with a proposal for season ticket holders? Because, as you said, there's not going to be 60,000 people in Celtic Park next year with the way the pandemic is there will be, we hope there will be people back in but even from from my perspective in Ireland because uh, we're in the EU now the travel will be difficult for me to get over to Glasgow as, as it currently stands and going forward so for me to shell out again you know it is a and it's, it, it's a question that is doing the rounds on all the WhatsApp groups in supporters clubs you know are you going to renew because of the uncertainty, and probably as well because the way the season went this year, and a lot of people, me included, believe that both the media department and the PR department let us down. You know, this season, 
But going forward, I think this could be, it's not going to unite us all because at the moment we're a divided support. But I do believe it could be a step in the right direction for going some way to unite the fans and those who run the club. Well, I don't disagree with any of that, but it's important to emphasise that the all the proposal is is a proposal to give season ticket holders the option, just another option, uh, to take up shares. The, there, there are other options available. That the club could opt to give season ticket holders nothing, and they're entitled to do that because I don't believe there's any firm legal commitment to offer uh, to, to, to give uh, a refund, if you want to call it that, to season ticket holders. But I don't think it's the fine detail of the law that's the important thing here. It's creating a, a positive dynamic because I do not think a Celtic would sell as much season ticket holders, season tickets as they could uh, if they took a uh, look, if they just tried to say, uh, we're all in this together, we need your support again, step up. We can't give you any refunds and here buy a season ticket for 21, 22, and you might not be able to sit in the seat uh, every two weeks for the season. I, I don't really think that's a, a sensible or a plausible option. It is an option, but I don't think it's a good one because I think that that option would be detrimental to Celtic. That would be bad for Celtic, and we don't want that. Nobody that supports Celtic wants bad things for Celtic. What we have is differences of opinion and what's good for Celtic. So I, I think what we're proposing is good for Celtic. Uh, uh, keeps money in the club, provides more money for uh, the manager, introduces a new young breed of Celtic supporters, uh, and that's just the things I can remember. There's other positives as well. I think offering nothing is bad for Celtic, and you know, offering cash is bad for Celtic because that's a massive hemorrhage out the club. So I don't want cash. I want to support Celtic. But the other thing to remember is we're all different. We've got all, all different levels of wealth, personal wealth. Some can afford things more than others. Some need cash more than others. Some don't need any cash. Some are quite happy to leave the money in the club. The point is, in recognition of all those differences of status and opinions, we have just presented another option. There are more options. I, I, I'd like to. I would have liked to have offered fans. You know, things like uh, a, di a digital crypto token or an NFT, an unfungible token, which is sort of pretty far out there, but there's not enough time to develop that. That's another way of giving value, but we're probably a season too early for that. So the board's got to be looking at these different options as well. And uh, the Celtic Trust playing a role there. We're coming up with options to help Celtic, support Celtic. And anything we do and anything we say should be viewed in that light as good and positive for Celtic. I, I believe it could be a deal maker for people to renew their books. Uh, and, and you said that, you did touch on it, that, you know, people have different financial incomes and, you know, cash flows. But I do think that if they can do what's morally right, in my opinion, and be seen by the fans to be reaching out and saying, yeah, this is a suggestion that has come from the fan base. You know, we could, and it's a good option. And, I don't see I don't see a cash option this year. I just you know, especially in the current climate, I just I, I don't see it. But another thing that was spoken about at the meeting, David, you might be able to um, tell us a bit about because when I was looking at the minutes, European football. Now it looks to me that we're heading to a Super League in Europe with maybe a second tier. 
these are changes I'm, I'm hearing about through whispers and I'm also you know hearing that you know there's big big clubs in Europe who are in financial dire straits and this is the gut out clause uh, was that discussed in any detail at the meeting? It wasn't discussed in any de- great detail. And I'm just making sure I get this right. What uh, Peter Lawwell said was that there may well be some announcements uh, relatively soon. Uh, soon was deemed to be within a month or two about changes in the status quo, which was clearly means the league, league structures. So... I, 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 independently of that, you know, I, I, I'm aware of these moves. I do believe that COVID or the coronavirus has accelerated a series of changes that were always going to take place throughout European football, uh, and it's brought it to the fore. And that changes are imminent. Changes in league structures, cross-country, uh, more cross-country participation at the expense of domestic uh, participation. This has come to pass. There have been some announcements and there will be more. And I have to say, you know, Celtic are in Europe a well-respected club. Celtic are represented in the European Club Association boards. I think Peter Lawwell's a director. Uh, I don't know what states, how that will change if Peter leaves the board, but he may stay on the board. I don't know. That's been left unstated. All that's said that he's, is that he's stepping down as chief executive. I don't know if it actually said he'd be resigning as a director, but he is on the board of the ECA, uh, given the fact, uh, and, and because he is a Celtic director. You know, so we, we, we are res- respected at the jurisdictional level because we've had a stable board, which is the plus of having a, uh, a, a well-run club uh, o- over recent years, financially I'm talking about financially only. So there are changes taking place there. The other thing that COVID's done is cut a, you know, actually decimated the balance sheets of clubs right across Europe uh, because of fans have not been able to attend games. Now, the Scottish League is overly dependent on on a match day income and discretionary spend, burgers, programmes, cokes, borrow pies, etc. So we're in the fortunate position that we Entered this with a strong balance sheet, cash in the bank, a big borrowing facility with a co-op, but all of that's getting eroded uh, with uh, the the outflow of cash because of the lack of match day revenues, and that can't last forever. So our strong economic economic vantage over the, the other team, the other the other club in the city, or the other big club in the city, is, is eroding, and of course, I have no idea what. What's happening with, with with them and money, but you know it, it, it can't be good. But that that trend is across Europe. Clubs clubs are uh, are losing a lot of money, and, and I think there's a trend to raise capital. I think a lot of clubs are already raising capital from their owners and their shareholders. The guy at Everton, Mister Moshiri, has just put another two hundred million pounds worth of equity into Everton, for example, to uh, shore up their balance sheet and re- remove debt. Uh, yesterday or the day before, Bruges in Belgium, uh, which is a very similarly sized or positioned club to Celtic, announced plans to come to the stock exchange you know, with a value of about £200 million. So there's already moves taking place amongst the larger clubs to what's called recapitalise, uh, have a cash infusion, issue more shares. And indeed, 
Uh, even putting the trust proposal to one side, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Celtic having a share issue. They haven't had one since 2005, and I think that was to largely pay debt and to finance, uh, finance say, Lennox Town. Uh, so there may well be a share issue at Celtic, who knows? So it's a time of great change. It's a time of great difficulty. And it's a time to be supporting your football club. And in our instance, that's Celtic. Uh, so we're trying to help Celtic with our proposal. Yeah, I, while I was enjoying the St. Patrick's Day festivities and the horse racing yesterday, um, I did get a message in from a friend and he said that the Dutch League and the Belgium League were to merge. Uh, now I didn't, I haven't, I haven't read anything, but that would that that's a kind of a an interesting take on. Obviously, there are some big clubs in Holland, there are some big clubs in Belgium, and if they merge, it is, they'll also be the the losers who will lose yeah. in that. Um, and, but I don't see anyone queuing up to to merge with Scotland. Well, it might not even be Scotland; it just might be some teams in Scotland. Who knows? The Belgian Dutch proposal it's a proposal; it's not a fait accompli. It has still to uh, surmount quite a lot of hurdles. And for every winner, there's a loser that doesn't want want it to happen. And usually when you want change in football, some money has to change hands you know, to make it happen. Uh, this happened in uh, England in 1992 when the Premier League left the Football League. And that was, that was all about uh, creating a bigger cake, financial cake, to cut it into... Uh, fewer slices and it was all going to court and then at the last minute uh, the Premier League offered uh, the, the Football League some money <laughs> money changed hands and uh, and a financial parachute etc and the, the, the deal happened the same thing happened in Scotland in 1998 you know when the SPL as it was then left the SFL and that was the same thing we're doing it the other side says, no, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Then some money changes hands and it happens. So it's money that talks. It's money that changes the status quo. And, uh, you know, the same will happen. It uh, will have to happen if Belgium and uh, Holland are to merge their leagues or if Celtic and Rangers are uh, there. I mentioned the name Darn. I was determined not to. <laughs> so, <laughs> can, can you erase can you that bit? No, don't bother. I'm only kidding. Dan, you caught me out. You <laughs> Anyway, you, you know, uh, they're definitely not the old firm, though, so don't worry about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, you know, when you want to, when there's a casualty uh, that comes from change, you know, money has to change hands. But this is the, this is the, this is the, the mood music that's going on just now. The COVID, COVID has a, uh, Accelerated change, uh, change, changes in ownership, changes in balance sheet, capitalizations, share issues, the whole nine yards, everything's, everything's up for change, up for grabs. And, uh, you know, we want to be, we being Celtic, want to be there or thereabouts. We want to be on the right side of the deal. We want to be moving forward and we want to uh, get back on the tracks again. And, uh, we want to do what we can to help. Yeah, and like there is two clubs that that are supposed to be in trouble as Real Madrid and Barcelona. And when you look at the size of them, and if, and if they're struggling financially, and as you say, COVID has accelerated. We could we you know it's the super rich league is what these clubs want. Um, and even looking at the Champions League now, it only gets interesting in in, in the last eight because 
the the gap is so far between some of the teams in the group stages now. Now I know it's great for teams to get into those group stages, but as as a product and for people willing to buy into it, I think we we will be looking at this kind of super European league or whatever. And I suppose as Celtic and Celtic fans, we'd rather be pissing inside the tent than outside the tent. I mean, I, I, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the challenge. We are a, a big club with a glo- global fan base. We are respected. We don't tear cities up when we visit them. Uh, you know, people like us. So, yeah, I think we're there or thereabouts. And uh, uh, that would be just, for me anyway, ever so exciting if we could, you know, start playing a lot more games away from uh, Bonnie Scotland because uh, I don't think it's a healthy environment. I don't think we uh, get straight back, you know, with some of the authorities here. But maybe that's a podcast for another day. Yeah, you're, you're talking like I'm talking as a football fan. Everyone loves a European away day. Everybody. The whole build-up, the travelling, the having a few drinks, seeing a new city. Henry were beaten, but, you know, we've had, we've, we had that fabulous win in Rome last year. But can I take your football fan hat off? And as a financial person, with the background you have, how beneficial would a European slat, you know, league? Because we keep thinking, talking about, you know, we've we've heard about the Phoenix League, we've heard about Super Leagues, we've heard about us joining the, the Premier League, we've heard about us, you know, going through the, the structure of the league in England, walking our way up. It's all kind of pipe dreams, but are we getting now? Is it getting now? Because COVID kind of accelerated that we will get to play on a bigger stage. And financially, how will that impact us? Well, as I said, COVID, I think, is accelerating changes. What we're growing up with, what we're used to, I think, is going to get challenged. Now, for example, you know, we're stuck in Scotland, uh, which is a small jurisdiction, a small footprint with a small TV audience. Uh, so, yeah, there's not a lot of competition you know, uh, you know, we are we are the biggest team, and we, and we should, with the most money, and we should win the league most years. But at the end of the day, because we don't have the television money, you know, that little teams have in big leagues that makes them financially bigger than Celtic uh, with a, a lot less fans, they've got that benefit. And it's it's making life difficult for, you know, like Celtic, you know, Porto, Ajax, who are like similar large fish in small ponds. So for somebody like me, you know, that started watching Celtic in 1966, you know, just when all the good things domestically and in Europe were taken off. I, I, I don't find a... My benchmark for Celtic is what happens in Europe. And I don't like, you know, what Celtic or this position that Celtic have found themselves in, in, in Europe uh, because we just get humped every year more often than not. And it's because the jump up, the, the, the chasm between the money and the jump up is getting larger and larger. So, you know, I, I said like 10 years ago, you know, winning the winning the Scottish League is, is a license to get knocked out at the European qualifier rounds. And, uh, you know, that that's happening as we speak. So it's, it's now rare for Celtic, you know, to uh, get into the Champions League latter stages. It's happened a couple of times in the last 10 years. I can't remember the exact number. So it's very difficult. But, you know, Porto... You know, perform better than Celtic, as do other contemporaries. So there are things that we are doing wrong, and that's uh, you know I'm not a football manager, so I'm not qualified to talk about that. 
But some of our biggest humpings took place under Brendan Rogers. Let's be clear about that. So I, I don't think it's fair to sort of pin it, pin it in any one manager like it is just now with Neil Lennon. There's some serious humpings taking place you know, over the years with different managers. I think it's a structural problem. A, more likely than not, you know, I think we have. Uh, I don't think we have made. I think we've squandered a lot of money in the transfer market. I think our recruitment needs looked at, and maybe we are getting a new a director of football uh, as well as a new uh, chief executive. So these changes are good because what's been happening recently has not been good. So it's a period of great change, and uh, hopefully there are changes for the better, and hopefully we can get back to being uh, top dogs again pretty quickly. And hopefully, you know, we'll all be able to be sing from the same hymn sheet and focus on the positive rather than all this horrible negative energy uh, that's that's uh, in the air just now. It's 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 not good. Yeah, and it's when you were on the podcast a, a couple of months ago, you spoke about how players' heads had been torn um, for the riches of England, which is which is nothing new because David Potter was in the podcast and he went back to when Kane Leash was sold. And he said that was the day he knew that the board hadn't the ambition to compete in Europe anymore, that they couldn't hold on to, you know, this player. And he proved right. But, you know, within a couple of years, we went in the in the latter stages. And then we went in after Christmas, you know. So it's not a new thing. And the gulf is just, it's just massive. And the appointment of a new manager isn't going to change that. But was the manager discussed? At this meeting, yeah, it was discussed in the general context. It's always wrong to personalise what's gone wrong too much. It was a review. The Celtic board says yeah, there is a review taking place of whatever it was, football operations, and we said, yeah, that's great. Let's we await a, we await the outcome of that. But we are authorised by our members to tell you that we want a review of uh, the board structure uh, operations because we're not happy about that either. So I don't know if they will, but we certainly told them that's what our members would like. To go back to the players, though, it's as old as the hills. Celtic, since I've been watching them, I remember selling uh, Lou McCary, Kenny Dublish, Davey Hay, Brian McClare. You know, you can go right through all the different cycles all up to now. And you can get away with it because money always talks and playing football is a short career. And even the biggest Celtic fan, you know, if the money jump is big enough, we'll get it. Because uh, once you're 35, uh, your earnings plummet uh, unless you're trained to do something else or you're, you want to be in coaching, which is a precarious profession. So all football clubs can manage uh, change uh, in a, if it's in an orderly manner. The, what's different with foreign football players that everybody forgets is that they're not in Glasgow because they love Rosellic. They're there as a, a as a stepping stone into the Premier League. And they are sold that. That's the gig they're sold. Come to Celtic, be a star, do well, and you'll get your move. And uh, you know that that's what happens. That's the gig. And again, if that's done in an orderly manner and in a staged manner, that works out well. That's what happened with uh, just more recently, or not recently, but Hoydonk, a uh, Decanio, uh, what's his name, a Cadet, uh, and there's lots 
lots of other uh, you know players uh, that come to Celtic for that reason. You know, Wanyama is another one. Uh, Dembele is another one. And again, you can manage it. But see when they all come on like a corporation bus, six of them at uh, the same time, and they don't get what they want, then you've got a problem. And that's that's what's happened to Celtic uh, this season. I, I, I'd say, and I'm not claiming any special inside knowledge, but I can, seduce, can say with a degree of confidence that you know half of our team wanted away in down tools. And I don't think there's a single player that performed to his potential this season. I can't think of one. I can think of one guy that tried his heart out every time he plays for Celtic. And I and that's uh, forgotten his name, so he couldn't have played that well. <laughs> you know, the Scotland left back. What's his name? He's temporarily forgotten his name. <laughs> Greg Taylor. He tries his heart out every game, and that, that that's a fantastic uh, attitude to have. But all all our French guys are just down tools. I wouldn't sign a Frenchman, and then they're all at Nicholas and Elka. You know, there's no loyalty. Uh, they kiss badges. They don't mean it. Uh, they don't try, and they just want away when it suits them. And I think you can see that in the park. There's a few more homegrown guys that think they're really big dicks and they didn't play to their potential running down their contract. Uh, factor in a few awful signings. I mean, for God's sake, who's responsible for that goalkeeper? I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, who's responsible for... I don't want to personalise it, so stop. There's been some horrendous decisions made this season and uh, you can see that in the results. I can't think of a single game, apart from maybe the Rangers game that we lost, uh, where we have played to our potential for 90 minutes. It's, it's, it's everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this season. So maybe it's bad luck, but some of it's our own fault. It's a mixture of both. I don't think any fans will, will deny that the players have uh, had dreams above their stations this year. And as you say, when they all, when when there's so much unrest within the squad, and I, I, that wouldn't have helped. You know, the, the new players didn't certainly help themselves with the performances, but it wouldn't have helped them either coming into that kind of environment where the best players are wanting out. I'm not sure what you mean, but you know, if you're talking about COVID and empty stadiums and lack of atmosphere, every club's got that. So that's not unique to Celtic. And if you're a professional and you are a good player, you should be able to cope with that. So if I'm looking at uh, Edward and saying, God, he's not a patch on uh, what he was the previous season or the season before that, I'm not putting it down to the fact that there's no fans in the arena or the stadium. Uh, I, I'm not putting it down to any other factor than he doesn't really want to be there. And he has decided consciously or unconsciously that he's not given his best because he's been right some games this season. And... Uh, Cham, who's away, uh, hasn't kicked a ball for, I don't know, since he scored a goal in Rome. Uh, and I think he might have been a sub that game. I, I just, Rogic is not a patch uh, from the player that he was years ago. And, you know, pretty sure he wants away. I, th- these guys underperforming are not to do with coaching. You know, that's the, the manager get the blame for that. What about the tactics and all that? The players have down tools. It's the players that play on the pitch. It's the players that uh, score the goals or give away the goals. It's not the board. It's not the manager. It's not the coaching. It's not the tactics. It's, it's basically players don't want to be there. That's what it is this season. It's not always the case. Every season when a team underperforms. But this season, there's a league table of reasons why 
we were crap this season. And on top of that league table, in my opinion, and it is only an opinion, uh, is because of the players. The point I'm making, David, is when a player comes into a team, if he came into that team, he and the likes of Edward and all the players were saying, Roy, this is the most, as they come in, this is the most important season. You know, we'll go for 10 in a row. This is, you know, they buy into that. But if they come into a dressing room and it's, well, I want away, I'm going the first chance I get. I don't want to play. So, you know, it, it may affect players that come in. That's that's the point I was making. Right, so you, top of the list is the players. Now. In my opinion. It doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just saying that's my opinion. And we know uh, there's going to be a lot of players moving out this year because it's inevitable. Well, uh, yeah, so it's something because they don't want to be there or they're just no good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're just... They're, <laughs> you know, there's some horrendous decision has been made. You know, is Barkas, you know, a four and a half or a five million pound goalkeeper? Uh, I, I, I don't think so, but... Is he going to turn it round? Is he going to be, gain confidence to be a world beater? Is he going to be as good as as uh, Fraser Foster? I, I don't think so. I don't know if he wants to be here. Uh, it's all gone wrong for him. Uh, no, it's, a, it's all bad. It needs a it needs a clean sweep. It needs a complete restructuring uh, uh, throughout the football department. Uh, in my in my opinion, I mean, it, it was awful. The last new on, David, as well, you said that the board were too comfortable, they were there too long. Have you softened on, on that um, point, or do you think that more will follow Peter Lowell out the door? I think there will be change. You know, and I, I was, I when I say I, I mean, it's, it's the trust view, it's also my personal view. You know, there are four non executive directors that have been there for over nine years. That's at odds with the Courty com- Company. Uh, alliance guidelines for for uh, for what's acceptable. So you know that's not good governance. You're supposed to refresh your your, your board, uh, and we haven't done that. And I, I I do think it's it needs freshening up. It needs some new blood. It needs some new expertise. And you know I think it's symptomatic. There's a, there is a staleness in the building. You know Peter had been there for 13 years. Was it? Uh, that's an awful long time. You know, I think this is an opportunity to uh, to uh, deconstruct and reconstruct uh, what's going on at Celtic, turn it into a positive. That's what we're trying to do. I, I mean, it's sort of very critical of the team. You know, just the last ten minutes there, uh, I don't like being critical. I don't like being a uh, uh, negative. Uh, I don't like negative energy. I, I like focus on the positive. But you can only get to the positive once you're past the negative. There was a lot of. Uh, Negativity, you know, two, three, four weeks ago when uh, it dawned on us, you know, what had exactly happened. But you've got to go over it at some point because you can't change it. And you've got to focus, you've got to look forward and focus forward. Uh, and, you know, that's what the trust is doing. The trust proposal to go back to that is positive. Uh, I'm, I'm not really uh, looking backwards. I, I want us all to look forwards and to support the team and support the club. But I want the board to do that as well. I don't want our our uh, passion and our support taken for granted. It's a two-way street. And one of, one of the one of the changes will be the new CEO, Dominic McKay. I don't know a lot about him. I tried to find out when he was appointed. Obviously, he comes with a decent CV. He's well-respected within Scottish rugby. But, you know, you're the man in the know. Tell us about Dominic McKay. Do you know much about him? I, 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 don't, I don't know him at all. I've never been in his company but I, I know people who have, 
I know very good friends who have. Uh, one of my business partners is a former president of the SRU who has got an opinion. And another director friend is a big, grumpy guy. So let's be clear, he is a West of Scotland Ayrshire guy. Uh, he does know what Celtic's all about. I understand he's a Celtic fan. Now listen, you can be a good CEO without being a, a Celtic fan. I mean, that's a controversial thing to say, but it's a, it's a true thing to say. You don't have to be a Celtic fan to be the Celtic CEO. Just in exactly the same way, you don't have to be a Celtic fan to play for Celtic. You just have to be good at your job. So, But the, the, the new guy is a Celtic fan, or so I'm told, which is a help. He's, he knows what the, the Glasgow experience or the West of Scotland experience is all about. You know, the pressures that come with it, both absolutely and relatively. So yeah, I, I don't think we've got a stranger coming to town that is going to get uh, blinded by the headlights. So everything I've just said there should be construed as positive, but only time will tell. We've had five CEOs since 1994. Fergus was the CEO till he left in 99, and we all know about him. No prisoners with Fergus. Uh, Celtic for all. Next two guys didn't last long because they didn't get it. Uh, Alan McDonald, Celtic man, but job wasn't for him. Ian McLeod uh, didn't last long either. And then uh, Peter came in, uh, big Celtic fan, uh, steadied the ship. Uh, and he's been there for ever since. So this is the, did I get that right? Fergus plus two plus. So this is the fifth guy. So as an av- these guys last an average of five years. So uh, we'll see how he gets on. He deserves our support because uh, he's got the job and uh, uh, I, I wish him all the best uh, indeed anybody that gets any of the big positions deserve our support so that includes the manager we've no idea who the manager is <laughs> it could be anybody uh, we've all got our opinions and, and again the team that needs big rebuilding so time of great change it's not good to have so many changes all at the same time but it is what it is, and we've got to deal with it. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Now, Celtic have struggled in the pack this year, but the Celtic Trust has been successful in growing its numbers. What's the state of play now? Uh, membership is up, and our shareholding is up. Uh, yeah, the, the, I've, I've not uh, I've not asked what the membership is in the last few weeks, but it's certainly rising all the time. Uh, and when the membership rises, the cash flow rises i.e. the money coming into the trust rises. And when that, that happens, we buy more shares in the club because uh, that's our raison d'etre. Uh, so uh, we actually bought some today. I think we might have 40,000 shares. Uh, less than a year ago, we had a few hundred shares or something, or not very much. So uh, our intention is to have up to half a million shares in the club. So we've we're ten uh, percent of the way there, and uh, you know I think we'll get there. So all the numbers are growing, and a very important point: those shares are owned by the members equally. So when you become a member of the trust, uh, you own on a one-for-one basis uh, a part of uh, the trust shareholding. It's democratic, one member, one vote, and uh, you have a say in who runs the trust every year. There's going to be a, an annual general meeting coming up at the end of next month, uh, at which the accounts for the year will be presented to the members for approval. 
and there'll be nominations for positions on the trustee board of the the Celtic Trust and there may may be changes. I I might get sacked, who knows? (laughs) That's that's democracy in it, you know. Uh, I'm not in it for uh, any other reason than I, I, I want to Celtic do well, and if it's the is the members of members of the trust want a new chairman, hey, delighted. Let's go, let's do it. So that's all coming up next month. So we'll see what happens. Coming up uh, a bit quicker than that is uh, the visit of the new club to Celtic Park on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, now you did say that it was probably our best performance before Ethan was sent off. I have to say, I, I, I'm kind of in a negative state when it comes to the, to the players and the, and the performances. How do we see this from panning out, David? Well, you know, you're forcing me to mention the name again. How are you talking about a game in the oblique? You know, <laughs> Look, they're patently having a, a good season. They've got stability. You know, let's, let's call it for what it is. They haven't lost a domestic league game this season. Uh, they have a, a, a stable structure and a stable uh, uh, formation, and you know they're they're winning or not losing when they're when they're playing uh, playing badly. So they're they're in a groove, and uh, you know we're in a a relative mess again. Strong words, but true. So you know I don't think any Celtic fan is going to be watching this in their in their uh, £90 a season feed, feeling a great degree of confidence. Uh, I'm certainly not, but at the end of the day, it is a living against a living for 90 minutes, so anything can happen. And uh, I'm, I'm going for a 4 nothing Celtic. <laughs> you just hit me up. <laughs> and then that brings me on. Um, that 4-0 win then will steer us on to a Scottish Cup, a Scottish Cup run. And maybe we might just manage a trophy in Hamden by the end of the season. Well, maybe maybe some sort of pressure's off. Maybe uh, maybe there, there there some sort of change in the dynamic. You know, has taken place. At the end of the day, it is a living against a living for ninety minutes. Uh, so uh, let's not be too pessimistic. I want to make just a, cu- a couple of more points because the trust did put out a, a statement tonight uh, on two fronts. Number one, the, the Celtic Trust supports the football club in its uh, in its desire to, to ask fans to stay away from the stadium on Sunday. Not for any, any behaviour issues at all, eh, but simply we're near to getting stadiums open in some fashion. We don't want to prejudice that with uh, illegal gatherings or whatever the correct phrase is. We want to basically abide by the lockdown uh, uh, don't gather and uh, Let's uh, do our little bit for uh, getting uh, the lockdowns lifted and getting uh, the stadiums open as soon as we can. So the Trust supports uh, the statements that Celtic have made in that respect this week. In the same vein, we have asked Celtic, we do not want any of our players released for any international games at the end of the month. If UFA or FIFA rules permit us to withhold players from the national squads, we want that done. We don't want our players, our employees, stepping out of a safe environment into a less safe environment, then getting treated shabbily by the SFA uh, in the way that's happened in the past. So we we have put out that statement tonight and uh, that's the position of the trust 
And uh, if it can be done, we want our players withheld from international duty. I just I just saw a tweet before we, we, we recorded the interview um, about that. Yeah, it's um, it's something maybe that should have been said a little earlier. And it's, it's, it's never too late to say these things. And yeah, we have been um, treated unfairly, I would say, when you look at the way other clubs have been treated. There seems to be one rule for some and another rule COVID rule because I'll only get depressed listen before I let you go David um, the last time you were with me you climbed into my time machine and you went back to a couple of games but can can you climb in this time and take us back to when you were walking within Celtic and maybe you have a little gem for us well I, I can't think of anything off the top of the head about working Come on, the building. Kanye van Fergus. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I mean, when, when Fergus was there, you know, he was, his view was that the board, the financial people stick to what they are experienced in and they do best. They, Fergus did not like and they may even have insisted that nobody in a suit, metaphorically speaking, should be anywhere near a dressing room or a technical area talking to football people about football things. What we should be doing is uh, employing the best manager, the best director of football to do the job with inverted commas, the football department. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have guys in suits, you know, hanging out with players in dressing rooms uh, talking, you know, like, like one of the boys. Uh, you you wouldn't have uh, the players in a boardroom doing it the other way around. Now, I, I, I'm a great devotee of that principle. I don't like guys in suits uh, meddling in football affairs at all. You know, football is a professional game and the key decisions should be made by professionals with experience in the game, not by uh, directors playing at being FIFA football managers. Now that that was a, a big thing uh, with Fergus McCann when he he was there, and I I, I think that's uh, a good thing, and I think that's been lost. I think there's people like playing it being football managers. Another thing that used to go on at Celtic in the nineties, and when I say Fergus McCann, you've got to remember that uh, it was the whole board. It was maybe a couple of things uh, that I can recall that Fergus McCann was outvoted on. Because he was just one vote in a boardroom of six or seven, or how many there were at the time. But he always said, "You always, we should always make the right decisions and let the PR people de- uh, de- deal with the fallout." You know, when it's an unpopular decision, and I, and I believe that's a, a very sound thing as well. Don't make the wrong decision for the right reasons. Indeed, there was, and I'm not going to name the name. Uh, there was one guy that said, "Come on, Fergus, let's make the wrong decision for the right reasons." I had to think about that one. Let's make the wrong decision for the right reasons. <laughs> no, I don't think so. So, you know, it, it was a, it was tough back in the 90s, but it's a generation ago. I'm not, I don't know if too many people want to be talking about that. You know, it's all, all, all in the past. But I think that sort of, uh, you know, Fer- Fergus was, uh, and is, I have to say, because I, I do speak to him regularly, hardline Celtic, by the way. It's Celtic or nothing, and he wasn't afraid to take on the SFA. The SFB screwed us over when we were renting Hamden and we had to rebuild Celtic Park. They knew that we could go nowhere nowhere else and they got their pound of flesh uh, and charged us a, an exorbitant fee. You know, and that wasn't forgotten. They tried to screw us over 
uh, the George Cadetti transfer, and of course uh, Jim uh, Jim Farry paid the price for that. And I think there's still a vein in the SFA that have got it in for Celtic. And I do wish Celtic would stand up more and grow some balls and they stand up to these people. And that's going to be my final comment, Andrew. David, thank you so much for coming back onto the Celtic Soul podcast. It's been very interesting and always uh, I learned something and I'm sure the listeners do from getting an insight from within that meeting that was, that was held in Celtic Park because sometimes the club don't get... Um, the story out but certainly now the trust are getting theirs out and as a member of the Celtic Trust I hope we grow and grow and grow and I hope everyone supports us and backs us and as I said David thank you very much thanks for your time speak to you again sometime bye thanks to David for joining us again and bringing us up to date on the state of play at Celtic and the recent meeting between the PLC and the Trust I think the Celtic Trust suggestion of offering shares to Celtic fans is very forward thinking and a great approach as we enter another uncertain season due to COVID-19 restrictions. As season ticket holders, we will always remain customers in the eyes of the PLC, but as shareholders, we will become part owners of the club. More Than 90 Minutes, issue 114, print edition, will arrive from the printers on Monday, and you can order your copy now, and we'll stick one in the post Monday evening. If you can't wait till then, you can download the digital edition by visiting CelticFanzine.com. Thanks to all the contributors and to Richie for another quality design job. With no match day sales, there would be no print edition without your support. So thanks very much for continuing to back the old school print edition. As always, thanks to Ronan McQuillan for producing the show. And if you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can do so at CelticFanzine.com where you can become a member, a subscriber. You can buy some of our merch or a fanzine or donate for the price of a pint. Visit our website for articles and news, and you can also sign up for our newsletter. Please download our app, it's free, and you'll then have access to all our podcasts, articles, news, video, info on upcoming events, the fanzine, and you can visit our online shop if you want to have a browse around and buy something. All at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms, including our YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button, it costs nothing, or hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode. And if you can, leave us a review. Please follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Details are all in the podcast description. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club like the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info.celticfanzine.com. You can also contact us as always through the website or message us on social media. If you enjoyed the conversation with today's guest David Lowe and would like to listen to more of the same, can I suggest episode 49 when David joined us for the first time on the podcast, following on from Celtic Trust stalwart Jeanette Finley, who spoke to us back in episode 46, Celtic Scout, former player and youth coach at Celtic, William McStay. Join us back in episode 28 and 29 to talk about all things Celtic. And Paddy McMenamin also joined us for a two-parter when he opened up his Celtic soul to us. Back in episodes 20 and 21, Paddy talked openly about his life and his love of Celtic and his life behind bars as a Republican prisoner. There will be no Celtic row to welcome the Celtic players onto the field tomorrow. We'll be watching from the comfort of our own homes. And we'll be hoping that we can get a much-needed win and it gives us a big lift. Come on, Celtic, get stuck into this mob. 
And for those lucky enough to be able to get together in bars in Australia or wherever you're allowed of a few points, I envy you. And I envy you having those few points in good company with fellow fans. So folks, appreciate it. Win, lose or draw. Each episode, we lend our support to musicians and performers who have been hit the hardest by the lockdown restrictions with no gigs and no venues. We've had some great singers and poets on so far, so send your material to us and we'll give you a plug and play out of each show. Thanks for listening and supporting us. Stay safe, folks, and keep the faith. And this week, we play out with our producer, Ronan McQuillan, and his friends with the Fields of Attenroy. Folks, you can check that out. I'll put the link in for the video on YouTube it's absolutely excellent that would be in the podcast description and maybe Roland might tell us a little bit about the song and how they got together in these lockdown times yeah just to mention how this came about so my cousin Laura lives in Nantucket uh, in the United States and uh, she asked me to get involved with the Irish Rambles in Nantucket they did this bridge of culture every year for St. Patrick's Day where they get musicians and people involved in Nantucket to to uh, Irish it up for Paddy's Day so she asked me to record The Fields of Athenry and then she sent it round to different people around the world and they all played on it so my cousin uh, who lives in Nashville she's singer-songwriter Claire Cunningham she's singing on it uh, my cousin uh, Christina Perkins is on it she's playing the, the box so you'll see all this in the video and uh, Stephen Powell's playing on it he's down in, in Australia and uh, some other people from Vermont Cape Cod and yeah Nashville and uh, this is it hope you enjoy By a lonely prison wall I heard a young girl calling Michael, I have taken you away For you stole true valiant's cord So the young might see Prison ship lies waiting in the bay. Bull I the fields of Athen where once we watched the small free birds fly. Our love was on the wing. We had dreams and songs to sing It's so lonely round the fields of Athenry By a lonely prison wall I heard a young man calling Against the fallen and the crown I rebelled, they cut me down Now Now you must raise our child with dignity The small free birds fly Our love was on the wing We had dreams and songs to sing It's so lonely round the fields of Athens
harbor wall She watched the last star falling As the prison ship sailed out against the sky For she lived in hope and prayed For her love in Barney Bay It's so lonely round the fields of Athenry The small free birds fly Our love was on the wing We had dreams and songs to sing It's so lonely Round the fields of Athenry It's so lonely Round the fields Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 